Most people, sadly, are not happy. But reinvention scares people because they think they're starting over. It's never too late and you're never too old. Reinvention is not starting over. It's finishing and executing on what you've been dying to do. And essentially, it's for the first time actually arriving at you. So like implicit in that is like a recognition that there's already something like a yearning or, or, or a trajectory. I can totally relate to that. If I relate to that, I'm sure thousands of people relate to the statements. Everybody has something that's kind of telling them what you're here for something more. And the irony is, is usually it's the ego or the fear that's the loud voice, the tug at the heart or the soul. That's usually a whisper. We got to turn the volume up on that one. That's exactly right. It literally is a whisper, and the imposter is literally annoying little brat who's loud as shit. I really describe this whole concept as like going up against a big dragon. There's always a ton of dragons guarding the, the goal of, of what you're after in life. Like all of it's going to be a confrontation with unworthiness. Once you do that, give yourself permission to be authentically real, raw, and, and truthfully you, then the world has an opportunity to see you. And I know that can be scary, and it takes courage. And if we're being brutally honest right now, it'll probably be the scariest thing you'll ever do. The rewards will change your entire life. It'll give your life purpose, meaning, a mission. Never too late, you're never too old. And it's all about changing the narrative in your particular movie. Okay, you guys, this is going to be a fun interview today. This is someone I followed for a really long time. Early on, one of these, one of these, as I stepped into light, one of these first people that like reached out to me and kind of punched hard was Craig Siegel. Craig, man, it's an honor to have you on the show, brother. For the audience that doesn't know Craig, I'm just going to tell you this is going to be a treat because Craig has one of these like really contagious personalities. He gets you to believe things that could be true. You know what I mean? He gets you to see things that maybe aren't there that you can bite into. I think this is super cool to be able to bring a guy on here that I'm inspired by. Craig has done, well, you just talked about this, over 220 episodes, 226, I think, to be exact, episodes of his podcast. It's the CLS Experience Podcast, Cultivating Lasting Symphony. Not that it matters, but, like, I had to get beneath the surface of the CLS Experience. Not only are these initials, but he's also put these beautiful words to it, the Cultivate Lasting Symphony. And he just wrote, which is amazing. I can't wait to, to unleash this in front of you guys, sort of the idea behind this concept the reinvention formula. Uh, so now you can add to the list of accomplishments that he is officially a best-selling author. Craig, welcome to the show, man. Man on a welcome, mission. Craig. And you were definitely on a mission, brother. Boys, thank you so much for having me. There's no place in the world that I'd rather be than right here with you guys. Let's chop it up. Let's have some fun. Let's get nuts. Oh, man, you feel that New York in the room? <laughs> totally. So good, bro. It's awesome. Love it. Craig, a lot of the places we start on Man on a Mission, just because it's sort of become like one of our secret places we start, is um, so many of the best people that I've ever met in my life, usually they've somehow leveraged some sort of trauma or some sort of pain, whatever it is. And it doesn't have to be a bad pain, but it could be a loss. But somehow they've been able to separate from the herd, stay in the fire longer than the next guy, and, and, and really they've tapped into something that I think actually is a gift. And so many people won't see it as that when they're going through it, but somehow they've been in pain and they've been able to translate it. I don't know if there was a version of yourself where you maybe didn't recognize yourself in a mirror or there was some low in your life, but if you can kind of unpack the Craig we don't know today, and we'd love to really start from those lows in someone's life and we, as we build up to their mission and extract the gold along the way. Yeah, I think that's a beautiful place to start, brother. And, and it's funny that you mentioned pain because I couldn't agree more. And, and I'll take you guys back. Three years ago in the pandemic, I reinvented myself. Prior to that, 
I had spent 13 years on Wall Street mm. and I was making money uh, and I was doing my thing. I had my own business. And as it turns out, uh, there's more to success than just making money. Mm. And right before the pandemic, I found myself in a pretty dark season of life. It felt like there was a dark cloud hovering over me. A lot of things that were fun were no longer fun. Wall Street it was unpredictable. It was stressful. And I always felt like I was here for something bigger, something much more just like we all are, but I never had the clarity to put it together. And so essentially I was a gladiator in, in the wrong arena. But just to be clear, I wouldn't have changed a thing on my path and my journey because you know my race, my pace, so to speak. But right before the pandemic, I was in a pretty dark rock bottom season. I just got out of a toxic relationship, which as many of the listeners know is never fun. My best friend, my dad had just gotten diagnosed with cancer. He's still mm -hmm. battling. Mm -hmm. And even though I had my own business, wasn't exactly putting a dent in the universe. And it's funny because you mentioned the word pain, brother, and I think that's really raw and beautiful because for me, it wasn't like something catastrophic happened. It wasn't like shot in war. My pain was my pain. It felt like I was suffocating on Wall Street, like I, like I was being buried alive, mm -hmm. so to speak. And so I started drinking a little bit more than I'd like to admit, but I didn't stay there very long. I'm not sure if I found running or running found me, but I started running all these marathons a few years back. And that's ironic because a couple of years ago, you couldn't pay me to run. I always <laughs> like to lift weights like you guys and, and so forth and, and exercise, but running, forget about it. Now I'm literally paying to run marathons. We just ran New York City uh, two weeks ago. Awesome. But that season was so pivotal, boys, because number one, it gave me purpose at a season when I was desperately looking for something. But maybe most importantly, it showed me that I could be successful at something that I didn't necessarily have experience in. Hmm. And then fast forward the pandemic. I mean, talk about a global awakening. You guys know as people that are super high achievers and successful in business. I looked at that as an historic opportunity because from my vantage point in my lifetime, meaning this human experience, I couldn't foresee another time where the world would sit still. And so I shut down my office for what I thought would be two weeks. And, and I just had an opportunity to finally reassess and get quiet. And it was at that moment that I realized I had a choice. In fact, we all have a choice and I could choose a different narrative, a different movie, so to speak. And when I did this eulogy exercise where I considered if this was it for me, and, and I think this is a really deep, profound concept because I think death can actually be a life hack. When I thought like, if this was it for me, like what kind of legacy, contribution, impact, relationships that I leave behind? The answer was I had significantly underachieved across the board. Now, I didn't have to approve of that, but I did need to accept it. And by making myself available and really connecting and blocking out the noise and interference, I started to get some spiritual downloads. And it, of course, I'd been obsessed with human development for 15 years. Mm. I just didn't think I was worthy of turning that into a career until, until I realized this is more than just a passion. This is my assignment, my mission, if mm. you will. Mm. And so I had that one moment of, can I do this? imposter syndrome, they like to call it. And for me, I considered the COI, the cost of inaction. Hmm. For me, I made it so real for myself, guys, I would actually rather have died than chosen to go back and be miserable because of that word pain. And as you guys, I imagine, know, emotional pain is far tougher than physical pain. And so I made the decision to leave my Wall Street career behind me and reinvent myself hmm. and do something meaningful with my life. And I started my CLS brand. I had no connections, no followers, no celebrity friends. But I put together a very intentional vision, kind of like a 10-lane highway with each lane representing a different way to make an impact and do business. Speaking, coaching, book deal, podcast, community, all the things. Mm. 
And then I reverse engineered. So well, what's step one? And I leaned in. And for the first time in my life, I was in alignment. And I say very humbly over the last three and a half years, the, the brand has exploded. One of the top entrepreneurial podcasts in the space, sponsored by Mark Cuban, Wall Street Journal bestseller, all the things speaking all over the world. It wasn't just a career reinvention, just got engaged, have a brand new puppy who I hope you guys won't hear during the interview, all the things. <laughs> awesome. Well, that was a long-winded answer, no, but good. I think that's good audience context and show them that it doesn't necessarily take time it just takes alignment oh man there's a lot to unpack in just in that intro i'm always thinking about how to serve the audience first of all but i bet you this topic is stickier for people that are really listening in on what he's saying beneath the service than anything on especially about this concept of of reinvention yeah there's a lot of a different narrative I could give examples in my own life. I could give examples of people that I'm very close to right now that are in this battle. They're they're pursuing this this thing that, that really isn't there as they're stuck in this rat mm-hmm. wheel and they're trying to find courage to get off the rat wheel and go all in. They maybe have a foot in or foot out. They may see themselves in a different light or believe something that could be that they just can't find the courage to like burn the damn bridge and just jump. This whole concept of reinvention. I just heard this re- recently from a dear friend of mine. He goes, man, I gave 10 years of my life to this place. He goes, you know, I'm so far down the road. Like, in his mind, he can't just stop and start something new, even though his heart's trying to tell him to do that. It is. He's battling. He has this inner battle going on right now. I think this podcast would be really good for somebody like him. And I bet there's a lot of people out there that feel like they've already given so much time to something. And then it turns out maybe this isn't what I signed up for. This isn't. But now I'm in it. So I might as well just stay in it. Mm. It's almost like sometimes the most powerful thing a person can have is permission or validation from the right source to just say it's okay. Like quit, stop, burn the bridge, jump, reinvent yourself, and then start today. I love it. There's a few other things before I kind of turn this back over because I don't want to hog this, but I've always well, talked about this power of death myself. And I love when people come in and sort of validate something that I know is really powerful, being able to really leverage death and get that to be one of the biggest movers and motivators in life. Craig instantly tapped into that. He called it a life hack. And I agree. Death instantly for me personally will realign my soul. It'll take away instantly a bad feeling or bad emotion. And it like just steals away the toxicity and brings in the gratefulness second death can do that for me so that's how i look at it so i'd love to hear more about that but before i say anything more i know matt's over there teaming oh i'm good okay. roll roll well, I'm, I don't, I'm, I'm feel just like falling I, yeah I've, yeah i'm not well no no, no nonverbal cues i could or anything. stop right listening. there and yeah, see yeah. what's next what what, what do no, you got I, matt? I, I don't know keep keep flowing i mean i could just i mean I, I ditto everything you said. Yeah. My what hooked my ear were those things. Choose a different narrative. I have some questions about that. Like that that'll probably take us in your book, I would imagine. But Go the, for it. I, I heard you speak about the eulogy exercise. I loved it, particularly how you framed it. Just imagine your funeral two weeks out. Hmm. Like, what would it really actually be like? So, yes. So I, I as a listener, Eric, I just felt the same things come up for Craig. I guess I would start maybe with this. Um, to go back to Eric's first point, like this, this opportunity to choose a different narrative. I mean, I, I'll often say, I love this analogy. Here's the kind of the, let me frame the question for you, Craig. Like, I'd love to hear how you, cause you've thought about these things. If you've written a book, you've chewed on stuff and I can't wait to hear how you communicate. Yeah, I've right. not consumed your book yet. Um, when was it published? Just recently? Just like very recently? It just came out three months ago in, in August. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So it's, I was checking it out. It's got incredible reviews. Um, it's like 4.9 on Amazon, but it's, um, I love I love this distinction that that uh, 
it's kind of an existential question. So like two things, like all we can ever do to grow is really uh, on the one hand, let go of things like renounce an attachment, renounce an identification, like let go. Right. And, and I love the premise that we've already got everything we need inside us, much like the the sun and the clouds, like the sun's always shining, no matter how rainy and gray it is, it's there. You can't feel it. You just got to clear away the clouds. But when people finally like shed old identities and, and realize they're not limited by their past and, and whatever they've told themselves, they've done that deep inner work, they're still f- confronted with now they have to choose. There is some accountability to create. You kind of have to like, it's almost like, well, what character am I going to play in life? What role? What function? So I love the basic concept of this idea of reinvention. And in particular, what, that would be my question. Like when, how do you coach people, Craig, or write about that? Like, like how do you help people get clarity on and where to go to begin with in their reinvention? Like, what are your some some of your pointers there? For some reason, most people have a codependency on unworthiness, mm. either from their upbringing or the news or social media. At some point, they're so dependent on this feeling of being unworthy. And, and it's crazy to me, but it's also relatable. Yeah. So I get it. Yeah. Now, here's the, the breakthrough. We can all acknowledge that we weren't born with those beliefs or limitations or obsession with scarcity or any of that. So now that we know that, is it possible? Can we can we potentially choose a different narrative, right? right? Can, can we, instead of thinking about what can go wrong, if we were to lean into something a little bit more fulfilling, what if we were to triple down on? But what if it goes right? Hmm. But what if you fly? Right? What if this thing takes off? What if you make an impact? What if you contribute? What if you help just one person? Hmm. And so this whole thing with identity and narrative, you know, I was so invested in this movie, if you will, for years that this was it for me. I was a Wall Street cat and make a certain amount of money. I'd always be stressed out have toxic relationships. It wasn't until I, if I'm being honest, the, the pandemic was kind of a forced pivot, but now I understand the advantage of creating time and space to kind of get quiet and allow it to happen to your feminine. Once you do that, you realize that none of that stuff is true hmm. and you can select a totally different movie. You could change the geographic location, the cast of characters, the plot, everything. Yeah. And the best part is because I know a lot of people, they're going to see the, the topic for this episode certainly be very intrigued because everybody most people sadly yeah i know you talk about this a lot are not happy but reinvention scares people because they think they're starting over and it and they might be too old or or it's too late a couple things i would say to that because i could already hear the eye rolling Mm -hmm. number one it's never too late and you're never too old and you can start something different at any season of life and have a ton of success and make an impact number two reinvention is not starting over It's finishing and executing on what you've been dying to do. And essentially, it's for the first time actually arriving at you. That's really what I did. After being a recovering people pleaser and following in the footsteps of other people's expectations for years, I finally let go of that. And I love that you brought that up, Matt, because so many people want to talk about add this for more success, add this. But what about the things that we can actually just let go of, Mm. right? Like trying to be something we're not. Mm. And once you do that, give yourself permission to be authentically real, raw and truthfully you, then the world has an opportunity to see you. And I know that can be scary and it takes courage. Mm. And if we're being brutally honest right now, it'll probably be the scariest thing you'll ever do. But the rewards will change your entire life. It'll give your life purpose, meaning, a mission. Mm. And so never too late. You're never too old. And it's all about changing the narrative in your particular movie. That's so good. Can I ask a quick 
follow up on that. You said just yeah. this powerful statement. Of course. Executing on what you've been dying to do. So like implicit in that is like a recognition that there's already something like a yearning or, or, or a trajectory mm-hmm. or yeah. speak more to that. Like I like that. I'm like, exactly. I could totally relate to that. And if I relate to that, I'm sure thousands of people relate to the statement. So, so what, what I think of it to make it personal, I think of when me and Eric first crossed paths, we had a great conversation. We hopped on and we, and we chopped it up and he was basically about to, to start this particular mission. He was already a juggernaut in real life, but he wanted to kind of do this stuff. I imagine he didn't just wake up one day and say, oh, I, I want to be a public figure and no. help people. I imagine there was like a tugging at his soul for a little while, and he decided to finally execute on that. Am I right? Undeniable. You nailed it. Yeah. Yeah. So everybody has something that's kind of telling them yeah. when you're here for something more. And the irony is, is usually it's the ego or the fear that's the loud voice, the tug at the heart or the soul. That's usually a whisper, but we got to turn the volume up on that one. That's exactly mm. right. It literally is a whisper, and the imposter is a literally annoying little brat who's loud as shit. You know what I mean? Persistent. And it's just like you have to overcome that voice. I have a lot of tricks now and tactics myself. I really describe this whole concept as like going up against a big dragon. Like the, the best gold in life, where all the best value is, there's always a ton of dragons guarding the, the gold of, of what you're after in life. Like all of it's going to be a confrontation with – um, unworthiness. I love that you said people have a codependency on unworthiness. That's a really powerful mm-hmm. thought, and it's where he's right. Um, like, who am I to speak? Have I done enough? Like the all those imposter thoughts. But you know, you start getting connected to this question. Well, how many old Eric rocks are out there that I could have helped? Like shit, long, tons. And every year, I thought I knew it all, and I didn't know shit. And you don't know that till you start getting seasoned and weathered and have some scar tissue. But that thought alone was really helpful for a person like me. It's like, oh, I do have some value to give. Like, you know what I mean? But that, that question of worthiness is always coming up. Um, I, number one, like, I've never heard it said that way. But I think that that will resonate with, with so many people. The truth of this yearning that they have that's actually the whisper and it's the confrontation that's this loud voice that is telling you, now nah, you can't do it. You're, you're, you know, let them do that. They're better at it than you. They, oh, it's saturated. There's too many people in this space. Like, I've heard it all. Um, there's a lot yep. of people, Craig, man, that, that you're helping by bringing this unique topic up, which is actually one of the most common things. But I don't hear a lot of people talk about reinvention. Yeah, I, I think that so many people that I talk to, know that they're here for something more, but somehow they get stuck in the mundane or they settle for mediocrity. Um, they, they decide to stay complacent. But it's interesting because we don't talk about what that actually does to our, to our health, our mental health mm. and, and our physical health, so to speak. And so there's something different about being aligned and waking up on purpose every day sure. and having soul lit. Sure. And, and the irony is like, just to be clear, it's great to have the things along the journey. I, I want to not discount that at all. We should absolutely enjoy what the physical world has to offer. But we should also know that nothing in the physical world can bring us truly lasting fulfillment through our spiritual work and and connecting to something a little bit bigger and doing real big, meaningful stuff with our life. That's what brings us lasting fulfillment. Sure. And And I'll add this little thought paired up with that. 
that those are all, in my mind, they represent, like I actually physically see these big dragons that are guarding that, that type of fulfillment that we're all really after. But I, I, can, te- I can be a testimony to this thought. I know, Craig, you can too. But I feel more fulfilled right now as I step out in the light and I face my biggest dragon that I've ever felt in my life. All the wins I've had in my life, all the success, all the relationships, all the forward momentum, nothing compares for me to step into my true authentic self, the full version of me, all exposed to the world, naked and bloody and, and ready to, you know, to be attacked by the barbarians, but out there just doing it in the arena while all the critics are on the sidelines like that. That is where I'm actually most fulfilled is in that fight. And that's where my biggest fear lies. So for me to create a life around being in the fear and doing it anyway was tricky because a lot of people were like, well, if, if, you know, I just use public speaking as an example. That literally tortured me, the whole thought of it. It crippled me <laughs> thinking I was going to have to stand up here and reveal my soul to the world and try to have some impact or some heartfelt message. It would seize me up in a way that I, I can't even describe to you. And the fact that I built a life around doing that on a regular basis now, like literally week in, week out, is actually created, I can tell you the byproduct is insane fulfillment. Like I leave every single stage, it's just a metaphor really for scary things that you want in your life, but for me it is a physical stage. I leave it so fulfilled and it's some of like the best moments in my life are those feelings of after I pulled out the big sword and I've swung it and I stabbed it right in the, in the giant monster's neck and the dragon's laying there and I walk off the stage it's so cool and it and it and it and it does like give you a feeling like you have purpose when you now are are in the fear that you recognize is where the biggest missions exist for people mm-hmm. is in the fear of revealing the trueness of who they really are to for the whole world to see. Like somehow I think there's a thread of connection there for everyone, somehow, somewhere. Oh yeah. Th- that's it, brother. And I just want to add on that. It's the ego that keeps us trying to play <laughs> yeah. small. Well, yeah. one of the things I love to say is that playing small is canceled, right? If we're going to cancel anything and, and it's, why would we, why should we be so scared of public speaking to get our voice out there to help people that the ego fights hard for its survival. It doesn't want us to put ourselves out there to slay the dragon, to go into the light. And even the word ego itself, like, like it's the notion of it is, is a small separated self. It's a false belief about ourselves, a lie about who and what we are. Right. So, so that's its mission. And, and trust me when I tell you guys and the listeners, the ego is like a gravitational force field. It's built over fearful thinking. What if I look silly? What if I don't sound well? Or what are the, the naysayers going to say about me? And, and it draws us away from the actual love in our hearts. And it can be manipulative and smooth talking, just like we are. So but true. the moment that we know that and we know that we're in this battle with ego and we're playing the game, now we have an opportunity to overcome it. And the feeling that that provides is kind of what you just described, or at least how I visualize it. When you slay the thing and you walk off the stage and you do your thing, because that's actually how we're meant to serve. Yeah, I think it's amazing. What are your thoughts on uh, one of the most valuable distinctions I've gleaned from studying the you know the wisdom of others and practicing as a therapist and my coaching work is um, one of, uh, kind of a rule of thumb in psychotherapy is like before you get into people's deep shortcomings, you have to soften their super ego, their their inner critic. Like that, you have to almost like um, clear the deck to where they don't savage themselves too much. Like bring up the downside of the ego. But one of the greatest ways to disappear it, I think, for people is uh, to own it. Of course, you're going to be ashamed. Like I love how Eric coaches on this. Like, look, look. You're, of course, you're going to feel fearful stepping into the light. Of course, you're going to feel like an imposter. Like 
it's a built-in structure, like you're saying. It's part of the process. Yeah. So, so Craig, like when you, and you're either in your book or in your speaking or coaching, how do you how do you coach people to relate to the ego structure? Because a lot of people will um, create like a duality, a battle with it. Like they're here, they are. They're trying to get out of beating themselves up. So now they're beating up their ego. They're beating themselves up about like how how do you relate to like coach people on how to work with that that egoic voice, which is built into everybody's mind, you know? Yeah. So, so I love it. This is so important. And I think this will resonate with everybody across the board and four words, right? Because public speaking is actually the number one fear in America, which may or may not surprise people. I guess if we break it down, it's probably not that surprising. People are more scared of public speaking than death, Hmm. right? It's crazy. But also I coach a lot of people that see what we've done in a relatively short amount of time and they want to build their personal brand. I'm like, all right, so are you ready to step into the light? Is Eric like supposed to put yourself out there? Uh, you know, I wasn't feeling it today or it didn't look good, whatever the case may be. Yeah. Right. And I give them four words and, and this will solve all your problems, public speaking, putting yourself out there. It's not about you. Hmm. Right. So if you take away the focus from yourself, how your hair looks, how you sound, and you just focus on transferring some positive energy and how you can actually just help one person, then all of a sudden you don't care about what you said. You're not scared anymore. You just want to help it somebody. It brings up your heart. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's it. And, and literally, it sounds so obvious, but if you ever catch yourself in a moment where like you're nervous to go on stage or to put yourself out there, there that's the ego saying, oh, what if you look silly or what if you mess up or what yeah. are people going to think? It's intrinsically so narcissistic. Now, yeah. <laughs> go ahead. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. And just to be clear, like I, I'm victim of this as well, but I have the awareness and I, and I know what I'm up against. So when I literally disarm that by not making it about me and just saying, who am I speaking to right now? This, who you're like audience right now, who can really use this right now? Who needs to know that it's never too late and never too old or how to disarm the ego and I just make it about that. Then I'm not worried about how I might. And I literally just want to do good and, and elevate them and inspire them. Uh, and that's where the magic happens. Yeah, yeah. I mean, everyone can relate to the title. Here, and I am going to read it. I didn't I didn't know of it until we scheduled this interview and I was just prepping. But like, I think everybody can relate to the pain of feeling stuck in a certain context, a certain mm-hmm. worldview of set of opportunities. And to, to get your heart involved, I could see that, how that would motivate you, Craig. You could just picture anybody out there who's just totally stuck, feeling hopeless, and to somehow spark in them that they can begin anew. They can create a new. I mean, what could be more fulfilling than that? Yeah, there was a viral. There was a viral post. I think. I think it. It went out recently. Maybe it was recirculated. Maybe I've seen this before, but it was showing the age of all these iconic businessmen of when they made their first million, when they finally started to hit and have momentum. And it was shocking to see how many of these iconic names were in their forties and fifties. Do you know what I mean? Like we, I think instinctually we think, Oh, well, Henry Ford must've been doing that since he was 12. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like they don't realize like the wind didn't happen. Like you think it happened when it happened in in many, many, many cases, it was really eye opening. I can't, I wish I would have screenshotted the post some cause it, I just remember thinking like, damn, I didn't know that. That's wild. Like that's actually like, like really rewarding to know that mm. a lot of these guys yeah. didn't become household names till they were in their fifties. Mm. You know what that's, I mean? That's encouraging, like, yeah. right? That that great totally, crop. Yeah. Disney. And it's yeah. funny because a lot of our mutual friends and I, we've on our podcast, we've had on everyone from biggest entrepreneurs, movie stars, athletes and so forth. And one thing that they all say and have in common, and I'm fascinated by it, but also very excited is that they didn't really put it all together and hit their stride until the mid to late 40s slash 50s. Yeah. Because there, there's just something about perspective and, and also 
putting things together and figuring it out and getting momentum. So for anyone listening right now, sure. and I love the example you gave Henry Ford and so forth, it can happen later in life and that's okay. And, and chances are, if it does happen a little bit later, it'll happen quicker. Sure. Yeah, right. You're such a seasoned human when you're later. You've mm. been through so much. You know what I mean? It's hard it's when you so don't have true. The gray hairs of perspective. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, I'm 49 and I have such peace about myself and life that eluded me. Good word. At, peace. at 39 or 29. Not, I wouldn't take anything away from those years, but there is perspective that comes. Yeah, 100%. It's cool, yeah. you know, watching someone that has built this big podcast and has really built a brand that it has, that, you know, that carries weight, that carries a mission, that's impactful, that punches hard. I think naturally we, we will attract you and I both. We'll attract a lot of people that, you know, are wanting to get near us and trying to figure out, okay, how do I build a personal brand out of, the, out of, out of my situation or my life? You know, so I feel like I'm around that question more and more and more as people start to look at, at my at, at my output and say, hey, like, I want to try to bring that in my life. Do you get people, Craig, that are coming to you to try to build personal brands? And then where do you start with them? How do you how do you work through this with people? Yeah, it's funny because when I first started my mission, so forth with CLS, I just want to talk about mindset and reinventing yourself yeah. and doing good and tapping into something bigger. But now a lot of people come to me to help them build a personal brand and how did I create this network and, and these relationships? And of course, I want to give back, so, so I'm open to that. Look, when, when it comes to building a personal brand, I'll say this. It's a beautiful thing because it's recession-proof. Nobody could take it away from you. In 2023, it's like the modern-day reputation, and so to speak. And also, no matter what you do in life, like if you wanted to pivot or start something new, you're never really starting from scratch because you have a community or audience yeah. with you. Yeah, but when it comes to building a personal brand, like two words come to mind. I talk about this a lot in the book. I suppose there's many ways to skin a cat. People say they've never seen someone do quicker from starting from scratch than us and I'm very humbled by it. All I can tell you is what worked for me and what I know. And two words that come to mind are authenticity and vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And the irony is, is those things are hard to tap into, especially if you've been showing up in the world as someone you're really not for years and years like I was. Truth. But it's also so freeing and liberating. Isn't it? Yes. Oh, it's my brother. And it's true. There's going to be a lot of people that don't like you or don't disagree, but that's okay because life will act as a true authentic filter and the right people will gravitate. Yeah. And the reason is, is you mentioned like in the arena earlier in gladiators and so forth, anybody that's in the arena, even if they don't like you, they see you doing your thing and going for it. Game recognized game. Yeah. The only yes, people that are going to hate on you are people sitting in the cheap seats. So true. Not people that are what do you and I would argue though to that point that if you don't have haters, if you don't have people talking shit, if you don't have people that envy you and are jealous of you and want what you have, you're likely not having doing anything worthwhile. You likely don't have a mission that is impacting the world. Anytime you're making a big solid punch, anytime you're making an impact, you are going, it's part of the territory. You're gonna have people come yep. out of the woodworks and throw mud at you and, and hate on you. And a lot of people that'll stop you dead in your tracks and make you want to retreat back to the safety bubble. But the people that can carry on and, and let mission be the thing that guides them and not give a fuck about what people think, it's a game changer. And it's a thing that is so common with people that break through is they stayed in it even when all the haters were throwing mud at them. And at some point, you know, it's and it's a very few people, but at some point, if you are making an impact, you're going to get it. Like it's going to happen. It's part of, but it's part of the process. You just have to say, you know what? This is probably a sign that I'm going the right direction. So keep going. Not, not probably it is. And a lot of like my clients or people in my community, when they say, oh, now I have a hater, I go, congratulations. Congratulations. You have a hater. Mm, You've taken a position. That's so good. What, um, (laughs) what have you noticed in particular in your audience that, um, 
obviously you, you've interviewed such a diverse scope of people. You have a really, you have a really broad uh, net, which must be just intrinsically gratifying all the different ideas and people you've touched into. But for you personally, like, like your ultra fans, Craig, like you've, you've intimated you're recovering people pleaser or what are some of your own crosses or I love this idea that <clears throat> in your own hardship and suffering, because you know what it's like to drown and come up for air there's a particular satisfaction about helping people drowning in that spot. Like who, who, who are some of your ultra fans that you have been extra meaningfully impacted by just your own, your own inner work, your own growth. There's so many people that are going through it and you'll never realize because they probably still post their highlights on social media, yeah. but so many people are, are in such emotional pain and a lot of it has to do with being out of alignment. Like it's tough to wake up every day and do something that you don't want to do it. And I'll give you guys an example. And the audience relates to this a lot. Like when I was on Wall Street at the end of a long day, I was depleted hmm. because my energy, it was just like my soul was being sucked. And that was on me, right? But now after a long day doing this and make no mistake about it, you know, th there's a misconception to the quote, when you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. I like to reframe it as, when you love what you do, it'll never feel like you're working the because make no mistake about it. Us, us four, yeah. we're putting in the reps. Tons of work. But yeah. At, yeah, absolutely. But at the end of a long day, I'm tired from, from a great long day of leaving it all out there in the field. There's a big difference between being tired and being depleted. Mm. And a lot of people feel depleted at the end of their days because they're out of alignment. They're mm. waking up as a gladiator in the wrong arena, they're helping someone else build their own dream or they're just not doing something that aligns with their soul. They're not doing anything necessarily meaningful or, and, and this can be relationships too, being in the wrong relationship, being scared to leave because you're afraid to be alone, whatever the case may be. So many people can relate to that. And I heard a very alarming stat. I think that only maybe 20% of, of the people in America actually find purpose hmm. in the work that they do. Yeah. I, I mean, that's a pretty low number. Yeah, you, It doesn't you have to be like that. Yeah. yeah. And I just want to change the misconception. People listening to us right now, like, oh, easy for you guys to say, you know, you have a lot of money. I want to be very clear. You can absolutely create a hybrid of making a massive impact, having a lot of fun and unapologetically making a lot of money doing so. Sure. Mm -hmm. Doesn't matter. I'll agree with that sentiment that people, it's people are. It's a byproduct for anything. Yeah. Yeah, I was. I what were you going to say? I would say this, that people are in pain and they don't reveal it to the world. It's funny, just now, a recent a little story just happened right before the show. Our, our buddy stopped by the podcast studio who's in our coaching group here locally. And he's talking about uh, this connection he has where this guy, you know, you know, owns the, the territory of the Pacific Northwest of, uh, of all these title companies. Fund owns a bunch of them. He goes, and he goes, the guy reached out to him and beneath the service, these guys are barely surviving. They're about to go under. I mean, it's really a bull. Like anyone that knows business can understand what it's like where you, those days when you can barely make payroll or maybe you can't, like just tough days, whatever that means that you're about to go under, you know what that is. And the first question he asked them is, what's your mission? And he knew he didn't have mm -hmm. one. He already done the research. And I thought it was an important place to start. And the guy just started crying on the phone. He goes, you know, we don't have a, no purpose, no mission, trying to go back to the importance of culture and, and why that's so important in your business. And you sort of alluded to that, this, this concept that people don't have purpose. Um, it, it, it's profound. They may, they may have it somewhere in them, but they haven't really created a life that is dedicating what they do around their purpose. And once you have that, it is a superpower for all kinds of possibilities. 
to, you know, to, to get your life to be somewhere where you can only dream because it's not beaches in Mexico with little umbrellas and the drinks. That's bullshit. That is nothing like that's that that even scratched the surface for me personally. And the people with big missions in, in life, they're getting fulfillment and enjoyment in places you can't even come near with an umbrella on a beach. I promise you. But it's all about yeah. purpose. It's about mission. Mm -hmm. And it's about le really leaving a lasting mark on this world that where there's real value in living this life. What a gift. We get to live it. When so many people are stuck, they're slaves. They are just stuck on in this rat wheel, just going around, you know, I mean? hoping life happens to them and that mission will come slap them in the face and pull them by the pants and get get, get everything in alignment with all their dreams, right? No, man, like, you got to declare that first. It's not going to find you. It doesn't knock on your door and say, hey, I'm here to help. It just doesn't, unfortunately. I want to just speak to that for a second because I'm so happy that you said that. And the great news is, for everybody listening right now, is that you have a choice. And, and staying status quo and, and underachieving, that is a choice, absolutely, 100%. But there's also another choice, and you can consider something else. And we used the movie analogy earlier. like You can change the plot plot twist, right? You can, you can consider something else and attack that. So I think that's very important for everybody to know. And, and it starts with, with a little bit of self-belief, courage, and worthiness that you could do something else because whatever made you successful in one specific arena or endeavor wasn't probably the thing that made you successful. It was you, right? I imagine there's a lot of common characteristics that made you guys successful in business and with what you're doing now, whether it's discipline, consistency, many other things, those traits are transferable. So let's get some clarity and, and let's, let's live with purpose and, and where they came to mind when you were just describing when, when somebody wakes up on fire, I think of like being energized, right? Because you, you have a mission, you're on fire, you're tired at night, but you can't wait to wake up in the morning and, and attack it and do it again. That's being high on life and being energized by having something bigger mm. than just a typical mundane. So bottom line is if you look around you and, and there's no one that's feeding your soul, if so often, man, if I look back at different phases in my life, I can I can easily connect the dots to people that were stealing from me. Like literally, they were stealing my energy, they were stealing my good vibes. It's people that were gossipy, they talked shit, they had nothing but negative things to say. They loved like stirring the pot. You ever you notice someone that ne they never feel good? There's always a problem, there's always some drama, there's always some big catastrophic thing going on in their life. For me, I've, I've been on both sides of it as an employee where I'm around that and my friends are around that. And as a, actually an employer where all my employees seem to be like that, where there's always something and like, uh, like that was more at a state when I could actually have positive influence and I was starting to really control the narrative and I could try to kind of coach these young mindsets. But I've seen it both ways where I'm in it and then I'm above it watching it all happen. But in all cases, it is so taxing on your soul. And most people are consumed with drama. You ever watch one of those shows, Craig, uh, Selling Sunset, where all these women just argue all day on these real estate shows on these hot in Beverly Hills? I'm familiar. I'm familiar. What the fuck? Yeah. Like, is that real? Is this? Is there really that much drama going on? Like, who could live like this? This can't be real. This is crazy as fuck. No way there could be that much drama, like hatred and like vitriol and bickering and pissing and moaning. Like, I just think, I don't know, man. I, it, it, it baffles me what what America, like, what fuels, like, mm -hmm. so much entertainment is built into the things that actually destroy people. And they build brands around it. And, they you know, you can build a lot of success with 
selling drama, if that makes sense. She'll be selling Sunset. It's selling crazy-ass women drama is what the name of the show should be. But my point to this is this is society that is actually out there. Now, Craig, I know this. You probably, and I I do, I'll be honest, I've forgotten what it's like to be around toxic people because I only surround myself with winners. Even the people that come into my world that I can help elevate, they're ready to be positive. They're they're ready to attack the day. You know what I mean? Like it's so easy to to be around anyone, even if I'm helping them, if they have that positive, like they want more out of life spirit. So I don't even know what toxic people are like, but I promise you, it's out there and I hear about it all the time. So if we can get deep for a second, guys, and I know we're ready deep, but even a little bit deeper below the surface. I'm doing a lot of Kabbalah work right now and I'm really into it. First of all, I highly suggest everybody be a student in some capacity in all the things. And right now I'm taking a Kabbalah course and I'm really into it. And one of the things we're talking about recently is the concept that we create angels through thoughts, words, and actions, which then work towards manifestations. Hmm. And just to be clear for the listeners, I don't mean like the angels all dressed in white with the nice wings that you might think of in the movies. This is something a little bit different. Now, whether it's positive or optimistic or negative or gossip or drama, those angels manifest in some capacity. And here's the kicker. It might not happen five minutes from now. We could be talking negative right now. And then all of a sudden, maybe two days later, you have a parking ticket or something more severe happens, but you won't be able to necessarily make the connection. The bottom line is Mm -hmm. even our thoughts, if we're thinking envy or jealousy about someone else, it's so important that we catch ourselves in that moment because Mm -hmm. one way or the other, we're going to create these angels which manifest in some capacity. So whether you believe that or not, even just taking that concept into mind, it should help you not want to be around anybody that's gossiping or drama or any of that stuff. We just have no place for that. It's, it's all yeah. bad energy. Yeah. yeah. I, lo- I love I love that. Like, yeah, give me, I, I, it reminds me of the idea, be ultra, ultra careful of what you hold in your mind or consciousness. Like mm-hmm. I, people who do, get really refined inner work. They don't even, you can't even energize a negative thought for more than a few seconds without consequence. Like it's almost like you, you can't, yeah. you can't hold in mind negativity unscathed, whether it's symbolically represented in, in yeah. an angelic symbol, like you were saying, like uh, um, there's a consequence to, that's how powerful the consciousness is. There's a consequence to all of it. What you energize in your speaking or what you hold in mind. Yeah. Love that. There are no coincidences. Nothing is is by accident, yeah. right? It's all cause and effect. And that's not to scare people. That's to excite people because now we have the ability to transform from reactive to proactive well, this is, and be in the driver's seat of our life. Yeah, one thing I have to throw this in here, you're, you're, to go back to an earlier statement you made, I feel like there's nothing new under the sun, but in every generation, our task is to rearticulate kind of like the wisdom or beauty of, of a principle that's like accessible to the modern audience. And you remind me of your book, the basic idea like that you were articulating earlier, Craig, about you always have the capacity to choose. That was in uh, Victor Frankl's best-selling book, uh, Man's Search for Meaning. And his his mm-hmm. greatest classic. gift, yeah, a classic. And he, he, you know, he went on to cr- become a psychiatrist. He created logotherapy. But his greatest gift was to illuminate for all humanity at that time, or anyone who's wise to read it now, it's not you know, circulating now. Well, you could buy it, but it's not in, in the public discourse. No matter what was happening in the concentration camps, he realized nobody can take my capacity to choose my attitude about this. I'm always free. They could torture me. No one takes that from me. And I think people go and fall into a despair or a heartache when they, when they feel like they can't choose again. Yeah. And I, it's such an old idea. It's timeless. And then time. 
And but but now we're it's 2023. There was a pandemic. Uh, the young people think and talk a certain way, and uh, they don't read the classics. <laughs> you yeah. know what I'm saying? And so it's like a it's a timeless idea. So I love. I think that's the million dollar mindset that I always talk about. Like being free will. You can create free you will. Can create yeah. your reality in there, and it and it changes outcomes out here. You yeah. know what I mean? And and a lot of people. I think may have a, a want to have this beautiful outlook, this grateful outlook. But for me personally, I need like these rules, standards, non-negotiables, habits, routines, Pointers, systems, yeah. processes to connect my emotions when they get out of whack to quickly realign them. Like, because it's so easy to say that and then some bad news happens and the, some bomb gets dropped and there goes, there goes it all, right? You know what I mean? All the work's just gone. It's really being able to be calm in the storm that is one of the biggest separators from the greatest leaders in the world. And I'm convinced that it's not so much that you're born this way, but maybe your temperament is, is more ideal or not. But I believe you can course correct quickly. That if you start to go off the path and you feel a feeling you don't like, you can quickly own it, take a deep breath, and recorrect. And I do it all the time. For me personally, I'll reconnect my mind to something that literally clears the deck. No matter how bad the situation is, I always recognize that I have the power. I'm always in control. I don't need to let these emotions destroy me. I don't need to go down this toxic pathway that someone's trying to lead me down. And it usually happens when a trigger goes off and I feel a feeling I don't like. It could be a blood pressure feeling, a feeling of stress or pressure. There's a lot of different feelings that'll get me to course correct. And that's my ability to correct when things aren't going my way. To be able to have a bad day and fail forward and really not tumble down the hill all the way, just to fall. Pick yourself back up and watch me lead, motherfucker. Like it's this kind of energy that I that I talk about about being a bold leader, stepping up to the plate when it matters most, and and that's hard. You, you may not be like it may not be in your temperament, but I'm here to tell you anybody can work on themselves, their mind, their but body, I love their spirit. You real. I just want to acknowledge you, but I love that you keep it real because even a really high performer like yourself, you're not. None of us are immune to those oh. moments. But I think. The word there is no. moments moments and, yeah. and people ask me like do you have moments of imposter syndrome and i'm like at least once a day every day yeah. but i have a system in place yes. to to have the awareness okay i see what's going on here and then overcome it and whereas the old craig used to be a month or a sure. week or a day now yeah. it's just a moment do you ever feel like man everyone like i forget because i'm so consumed with personal development being optimized in all these areas of my life so much built around like discipline. We were just having this conversation the other day, Craig, and I'd love to hear your opinion on it. This concept of making your bed every day, you know, and you know that at the, that 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 famous video that went viral from this from this great admiral who he's talking about just you know making your bed every morning, the importance of having standards. Like I read so deep into that, and I totally resonated with it about you know having the wins in your life that seem insignificant before you had any money or any success. Oftentimes, what could be the catalyst for the type of personality that had standards that got them to win. And Alex Hormozzi will come in and he'll drop, you know, and I love it. Classic Alex Hormozzi, that's fucking stupid. You don't need your bed to make your bed to win. I've never made my bed in 20 years. And like, I get his point, he can, how he quickly moves the sheep. But it goes back to that thing like that I don't think I could be what I am today if at a young age or early on there weren't some key things that I tapped into that were the separators between me and the rest of my peers around me. These things where I, even though I didn't have money, I had standards. Like I did, I, I, I it was, it was important to me. And I wonder, is that really that important? Are all these details, do they matter or do I'm, they not? Like, yeah, I'm you just get rich anyway, even though I don't make my bed. <laughs> no, I'm with you personally. 
to each their own, yeah. but the little things add up and they compound and they give us something really important. And that's momentum and momentum. Right. I think it is the hardest thing to get and the easiest thing to lose. Sure. And, and something as simple as crossing off the list and made my bed. I got to work at it before most of the world already woke up. It's a dopamine hit. And I don't just mm. mean because you're moving an exercise, whatever your thing is crossing off the list, bang, next. Sure. And, and I want to be clear. I don't, don't have like a bunch of, you know, meaningless things on the list just to cross off to I say you did it. have been meaningful and so forth but i'm with you stuff like that holding yourself to a standard right i i think that's big and i think people should lean into that yeah i agree man there's there's a lot to that topic for sure but um i promise you like you know when you and, and this may be a, a poor distinction or not but it's probably true you go into to any trailer park or any hood and, and you start going in bedrooms and likely there's not a lot of beds being made now maybe i'm wrong i'll own it if i am but you go into beverly hills and you start going to some of the every bed's not only made it's made with the finest linens on earth but the standards of people that perform high in life every area of their life you know that they, they, they put standards to whether they do it them themselves or not or real and the fact that it's getting done they built a system and a process to make sure it happens those details i think matter more than anything in life these details that really represent like who you are as a person. It's funny, I posed this question to my wife and I wish I could have recorded her answer because it was better than any answer that I could give. Her perspective on why making a bed is important. This is my amazing wife. But uh, even with her, she grew up like with basically on an Indian reservation with nothing. And her dream as a little girl was just to have a bed set that matched where the pillows matched the bedding. Like that was her whole dream as a child. Like I just think it's interesting perspectives of where they came from. But she had high standards as a human her whole life. Her standards are higher than mine. But it's amazing sort of like where standards take you in life. And a lot of people, it's shocking to me how low their standards are. Like, you're okay with that? Like, that's tacky. That's terrible. Like, I don't know, man. Maybe it doesn't matter. But, like, I've always been convinced that somehow this stuff does matter. It's an energy, brother, right? You said, like, you go to Beverly Hills, you see everything done. It's like... You go to get a Chanel bag, like so your wife or somebody. Like, is is it really the bag that you're after, or is no. it the feeling that you get once you get it? That yeah. energy, exactly. Right. And, and to be clear, like things are not everything, but holding yourself to it. a high standard and a good energy towards that 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 does something. Sure. Uh, yeah, honestly, yeah, I'm there with sure. you. There's a lot of value in this, though. There's value in this conversation. I, it's funny always trying <laughs> to figure out where the audience is. You know what I mean? How do you serve them? Where's it at? Like, you know, I, I constantly am asking that question. Like, where's the, what is the audit? What is really going to serve them? And I just think that it's in the details that people that don't think that people think maybe don't matter. They actually matter most. Like those are the real separators in life. Those are the real character builders in life. It's those things when you were nobody that you were still doing when the next guy wasn't. And what got you to do those things when everyone else was partying? What kept you doing this? Or when they were doing that, what kept you doing this? Somehow the standard of the doing of that, you've got to connect something to it. And you've already tapped into it. Like, you know, I think it's somehow people are latching onto pain. They're somehow latching onto death and they're leveraging that into the, the discipline of how they live their life. But what is the separator in life, man? It's such a, it's a profound question for sure. It's uh, also not to be morbid guys, I know we all have a mutual friend that, that recently passed and so forth, but in terms of this human experience, we're not going to be here forever. Mm -hmm. And we don't know when that is. And right. It's like, look, you want to go home and, and let's just say you're not happy in your career. You have a choice. You can watch Netflix for two hours mm -hmm. and turn your brain off and relax, 
Or you could say to yourself, I'm not happy in my career. I hate this feeling. I'm going to make sure it's only temporary. Yes. And I'm going to work on a, a side project or start a side hustle or Google or YouTube side hustles to start. Or maybe make a list of what are the things I like? What are the things I'm good at? Try to find some data. It. Right? It's just a sense of urgency on, on how to live in the moment. <clears throat> it's kind of circling back how we started in regards to death. Like we all should have some sort of sense of urgency to live and, and live big and, and play big and do something special and meaningful with this short human experience. Yeah, on one hand, they tell you to be patient. But the other hand, the reality when you look under the hood is these people that achieve greatness, trust me, I spent a lot of time with Ed let. There's an urgency there, I promise you. Like, he's leveraging things that we're talking about right now, like death and time. There's an urgency and a, and a hastiness to get this done. Like, stop effing around. Let's go. He knows exactly what he's doing. He's very purposeful in all his actions. Yep. But you, when you get underneath the hood around people that do it, it's one thing to say it, but it's another thing to watch what they're actually doing. And so often, it doesn't necessarily align with, like, these simple things to be patient. Because I think patience is a virtue. It's important. But the people that perform at the highest levels, they are hasty. And they are eager to get it done. One thought I wanted to throw out in the, in the universe is I challenge people all the time with this thought because I recognize I'm doing it right now. I'm designing my life. And I'll ask people this question. Are you designing your life, the exact life that you've always dreamed of? And it's amazing how many people will just look at you. Like, when you, like they're not designing their life. Life somehow is controlling them. They're not making those hard decisions that are going to tee them up for one day living the life that they set out to live and our fr friend Gia McCool, she sent me this. I love this quote. She said, 95% of people, they, they, they live and die, and they never live the way they wanted to. That was a, actually a Bob Proctor quote that she sent me, but that's profound. That is a really just telling sentiment and thought that most people will die and never live the way they wanted to live. That scares the hell out of me, and I don't want to be with regret in the end, but are you designing your life? The price of regret is the greatest price of all. And yeah. a word that comes to mind, brother, is you were beautifully articulating that. And I encourage everybody, if you take one thing away from this conversation, take this, intentionality. Let's be intentional in 2024. Think of your life as a chessboard, always planning 10 moves ahead. Nothing should be by accident. Even the stuff that you post, it should be a reason. Who are you hanging out with? What are you working on? What do you spend your spare time doing? What are you consuming? Right? You should always be intentional. Otherwise, life will happen to you. I would also add to... Um, I think it would be an error for people to, uh, and I'm not saying Eric or you are saying this, Craig, but that it could be misread like to a future hypothetical scenario, like your fulfillments in this future big hype where y you could sanctify your life. And you're, if you have an aim and you're intentional and in whatever circumstances you are in, all work is honorable. Like we, we just had this guest earlier and he was, uh, he had this big exit with, um, uh, quest nutrition and he went into helping Bill this, uh, pardon me, Bruce, Bruce Cardenas. Yeah. Bruce Cardenas. Yeah. But here's the beauty of his story. Like he, he just started helping out this company very organically with a pure heart and it led to something beautiful in the end, like a, a very wealthy exit, but it wasn't like he did all the little things with joy and effort when there was no guaranteed payoff. It wasn't even part of his motive. It was just like almost like for its own sake. He embodied to me what I what I admire in a lot of people is like, I'm just going to be excellent today with what I got on my on my plate and my table, and I'm going to take extra. So I think ownership. there's yeah yeah. So it's like dream big, have an intention, be purposeful, but at the same time, 
don't delay your peace and fulfillment until you're this big or you've hit the thing. It's um, yeah, you, no. can, you can be that would be a huge regret. Like you ask people on their, yeah, I mean, you, uh, deathbed regrets. One of them is that one of them is that people weren't peaceful and fulfilled with each season and stage of where they were with who they're with, the kids they got, the kids they don't got. You know, um, well, I'm convinced everyone has the potential to be really valuable, and what I mean by value is they have demand for them. You know, success simply is is demand. Like there's a demand for, for, for the product or the service or what you have. People want what you have because you give so much value. And I think it doesn't really matter. Entrapped in every person is a way to create a lot of demand because you are so valuable. And you present value to the marketplace that the marketplace wants. That may challenge a lot of people who don't see themselves as much, but it really begs the bigger question of their mindset and their and like how much they, they how much they think they're worth. Yeah. But so many people do the bare minimum, and they wonder why life doesn't happen for them. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. Bruce's point to that interview, he was a person that didn't have, he had to build sweat equity because he wasn't a founder. He wasn't an owner in that, but he, he got a little piece of it. But the point is, is he treated it like it was his own company. He, well, people that he, understand He, like, this, dignified his day by doing, yeah, like, he going, took ownership. going out of his way, uh, cheerfully, like, loving on people, serving people, yeah. wowing people. But, but he found he, he, value. he found meaning. Yeah. Like he enjoyed his days yeah. just as much then as he's enjoying them now. Is what I'm saying. I think like, that's a really beautiful point. And I and I want to I want to say this. If you're called, for everybody listening right now, I imagine most of your audience is a certain breed, so to speak. But not everybody wants to go out there and you know be in, uh, in the limelight or personal sure. limelight. That's okay. But find your thing. That's your own unique divine curriculum to your soul. Right. Don't ever settle or stop what until you're dying you find to do. Your yeah. Right. And give that thing everything you've got. And you mentioned also like the journey. I couldn't agree more, brother. It's it's why there's such thing as like post marathon blues. Oh, because yeah. it wasn't actually crossing the finish line. It was the blood, sweat, and tears and yeah. the three months training and the injuries and pushing through. And so it's not once you get the thing that you have the lit soul. We actually activate a lit soul right now by being in alignment. In pursuit. And the iron we end up manifesting the things that we've thought we needed to have a lit soul yeah. by being in alignment, being on purpose and being on fire for life. Yeah. yeah well said. Yeah. Well, these said. conversations that we're having, like we had, uh, do you know, Rachel Shear? we had Rachel Shear on today yeah. and you just get like, I, I love having this conversation and they always go different paths. Everyone's story is a little different, but the seed and the thread and the energy of, of so many of the conversations that I now have almost every day of my life, they're always circulating around this type of energy. And it's really a beautiful thing. It's amazing when you just go into the organic marketplace and just sit like back into old conversations that you, you used to have before you integrated yourself into this world. It's amazing the difference. It is, there's a big difference. Go sit into any like average family conversation or whatever it may be, like wherever sort of ordinary exists. Like if you're in this space and around people that are big thinkers that are exposing themselves to the dragons, that are out there in the light, they're trying to impact the world, people dominated by this need to want to impact and help help others that have a mission, mission-driven people. The conversations are so much different than people that aren't mission-driven. They just are. They're a thousand percent different. Mm. And that's something I, I keep noticing And because I'm trying to build like a formula to, to impact around what I'm seeing in real time, what I'm learning, what I've been through. And that's one thing I keep noticing is like anytime you're around people that are mission driven and that are out there to, to make, leave a mark, 
the air is different. The conversation's different. The energy is different. And I love it. Like this to me is a gift in the world. And I hope children somehow at the end of it are getting somehow this butterfly effect connects to this next generation. Uh, you know, that's, that's just a powerful why as I see sort of freedom being attacked in all kinds of different ways, you know, as we move forward. But what? I couldn't agree more, brother. This is my dinner conversations now. And, and I, I say yeah. it very humbly. Like, this is all, this is all I want to talk about now. Yeah. Right? yeah. yeah. We get enough yeah. of this doing big things and growth and helping people and improving and high frequency it's contagious and it's beautiful. It is. Yeah. It's, it's a gift. Yeah. It is yeah. a gift. It's yeah. a cool way to live life. It's, yeah. it, it's, but the, it, it's the inexhaustible topic. But know? what a way to raise kids. Like what a way to really connect and to like give, spread love is through these types of messaging and interactions. Oh yeah. Do you know it's, what I mean? I wasn't around this as, as a child. I just wasn't, it wasn't in my reality, but you know, it, like it's a gift. It really is. I, uh, you know, Craig, as you, here's a question for you. Cause you, one, th one thing that you mentioned earlier and people really observed is in, in what you've accomplished in three years. So like when you, when you cast vision, how would you articulate your next, your next marathon, your next, like, where do you envision yourself? What do you envision yourself doing, being like three, five years from now, like the impact, what you're doing and then kind of the why behind it. It's so funny and probably not ironic. I've been getting asked this question all the time recently and it's because when I put together that 10 lane highway that I spoke about at the beginning with each lane representing a different goal, mm. I say very humbly, we hit a lot of the audacious goals that we set and we kind of just with the, with the bestseller reinvention formula. So we kind of completed like a three year story arc and everyone's like, what's next? What's next? <laughs> and for the first time since I started CLS, because I, I understand now how powerful taking time and creating spaces to really connect and draw upon that divine inspiration I'm taking a second to really think about what is that next level of expansion look mm. like? I'm planning a wedding right now and personal goals are stuff. And we, and we just ran the phase of marathon we ever ran, but I imagine you're talking about career stuff and so forth. And well, all of it, yes, yeah. we can, keep, yeah. yeah, we can keep doing what we're doing, but that's what got us here is not what's going to get us there. And, and I want to quantum leap it. And I'm really taking some time to get that clarity on what that next level of expansion really feels like from, from a career standpoint. Personally, uh, we're planning a wedding and one of the things that I personally can't wait to do, and, and I know it's one of the reasons why I'm here, is to be a dad, God willing, Congrats, and not to distant future. Um, so, you know, starting a family of my own is something I'm really pumped about How as well. How old are you, Craig? Um, I'm 38 years young. and just okay. Yeah, that, that's awesome, man. I I didn't think I wanted kids, and then when I turned 39, I started weeping on the couch with my wife, and we now we have four boys, so you're not... Boy. Stay stay fit and healthy. <laughs> That's awesome. But you're when are you getting married? This fall or next September. Okay. Congrats, That's cool. man. That's beautiful. Yeah. Thank yeah. you guys. But yeah. but this career stuff, there's so much we can do, but you want to be calculated. It goes back to what Eric was talking about earlier. I want to be super intentional. Yeah. Right? We hit a lot of the things that we've done in a relatively short amount of time, but what is that next level of expansion? How do we make more of an impact? And so mm. you kind of caught me in that season when I'm really putting well, that together. It's right the most now. potent, quiet, I, contemplative, reflective. I love that season. That's awesome. It's a beautiful season. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Amazing. This was a cool conversation, Craig. I'm really grateful for you, man. I'm, 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 I'm just happy that I have friends like you. What a gift, man, to be able to do life with people like you in your corner, man. And uh, thank you for serving our audience today. 
I feel the same about you guys. It was awesome. It was time really well spent. I hope the listeners got a lot from it. And I'm excited for all of us to continue to grow the friendship and continue to make a massive impact. 100%, man. Great. Thank you, brother. So check out CLS Experience, yep. the reinvention formula. You could buy it on Amazon or many other places and follow this man, Craig Siegel. Yeah, Craig, appreciate you, brother. Is there anywhere else, anywhere else we can send people? Um, anywhere on social media, at Craig Siegel awesome. underscore CLS. If you like inspirational free texts throughout the week, you could text us, 917-634-3796. Text the word mission. So I know you heard mission, you. Baby. I love to interact. Oh, sweet. Very yeah. cool. Thanks, yeah. Craig. Thank you so much, Craig. What a gift you are, man. Take care. All right, man. Thank you. I'll see you soon, brother. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a man on a mission. I'm a man on a mission.